SCP-2718. What happens after? The concept of the afterlife has plagued humanity since the dawn of time, provoking countless discussions, arguments, and more. The question of what happens when we die is often tied strongly to religion, with answers ranging from eternal paradises to fiery hells or even reincarnation. It likely comes as no surprise to you that the SCP universe has delved into the concept of the afterlife in a few different ways, but today we'll be looking at a particularly grim version of it. 2718 definitely starts in an odd way, with the SCP number constantly shifting, the object class listing an error, and the first line of the containment procedures actually describes the SCP itself. We see that SCP-2718 is a Damarung-class cognitohazard. A cognitohazard is any sort of mimetic effect that can alter an individual's way of thinking. Damarung is a German word meaning dusk, or twilight, and as far as I'm aware this is the only SCP that carries that classification. The containment protocols go on to say how forbidden 2718 is, and it's only by extreme chance that we've stumbled upon its report at all. It says that this report cannot be deleted or effectively redacted by any means due to the clearance level of the original author, suggesting an O5, and basically says if you close the article now, report it, and get immediate amnestic treatment, no disciplinary action will be necessary. Of course, we read on, and the following section contains orders for any agent sent to handle this breach of SCP-2718. Basically, since this report is about a very dangerous cognitohazard that affects anyone who reads about it, and the SCP Foundation can't delete, redact, or restrict access to it normally, they have to find a workaround to conceal it. I'll spare you the technical details and summarize. Essentially, they are exploiting a weakness in their databases by constantly switching the designation of the article with another random one. This is responsible for the weird numbering at the top of the article, and causes links to 2718 to disappear. By doing so, and drawing out the process using intentionally bad algorithms, 2718 is almost always hidden from view, but there is a very small window when the process ends and before it restarts, when it becomes momentarily visible. This of course allows someone browsing the database to see 2718 and click on it, where they are presented with a severe warning. This is currently the Foundation's best way of containing 2718, as it's a very small chance that someone will happen to see 2718 in the database and proceed to read past the warnings. Of course, since we as readers always have access to each SCP, this explanation is just for the sake of the story. The agent working on the terminal that accessed the page then has a unique job, because due to amnestics wiping people's memory, no living person has knowledge of 2718 other than them. Their task is to improve the containment protocols of 2718 in any way they can before their memories are wiped and 2718 goes back to being completely unknown again. Unfortunately, the agents sent to respond to a 2718 breach are left unprepared for this task, 
and have only two hours to work on it. A log left by one of these agents mentions that if an agent fails to complete their task within two hours, or upon return they still remember the current year or name of the current president, they are to be terminated. This suggests that the amnestic given to those who work on 2718 is a massive one. The log ends with the agent saying that he was curious and figured his brain was hosed anyways, so he read 2718's description. He says to resist the urge, and hopes that the amnestic kicks in quickly. So far then, we really know practically nothing about 2718 itself, other than it's a cognito hazard that no one wants anyone to read about in any way, but they can't get rid of the documentation. After doing so much teasing, we finally get into the meat of the article, where we get to find out exactly what 2718 is. This information comes from a transcribed audio recording made by a member of the O5 Council named Miriam Prather. Miriam starts by telling a technician to make this article a permanent record, allowing no one to ever tamper with it, saying that if there's only one article left in the whole database, let it be this one. Miriam seems rushed for time, and even lets the technician keep her security credentials, as she says she won't be needing them. She then proceeds to begin her story, stating that she has been 05-7 for 77 years, but she'll only remain so for about 7 more minutes. She goes on to discuss the various methods available to the SCP Foundation to bring someone back from death. Each method is different, of course, but they fall into two categories. One, making a copy or clone of the person from when they were still alive, and two, turning back time, undoing the events that killed them. While these methods are, of course, vastly different, they do share a similarity in that the person brought back has no memory of their death or what comes after. In fact, the SCP Foundation has no first-hand testimony of someone dying and reporting on the afterlife, or lack thereof, until now, of course. Six months ago, the Foundation resurrected one of the O5s, named Roger, using a new procedure. Roger was different than the other O5s in two major ways. One being that he didn't use anomalous means to extend his life, and two, that he took his vacations unannounced and in solitude. Due to these two factors, Roger died at age 73 due to a stroke, while alone on an island 18 years ago. It took 14 years to find his body, which they needed due to a physical key he had, as well as a mental key only he knew. The combination of island weather, creatures, and time had reduced Roger's body to a pile of bone fragments, and so their usual methods of bringing people back were useless. Since they only needed one word from him, they figured they could use the new method to bring him back just long enough for him to utter it. But they outdid themselves, perfectly reanimating Roger. Roger returned by uncontrollably sobbing for half an hour, followed by exhibiting constant signs of joy and relief. They kept him quarantined for 30 days, during which he cooperated completely, and so they restored him to his position on the council. He returned to the job with renewed vigor, 
wisdom, and insight, and began utilizing supplements to extend his life. Additionally, he began to show a greater interest in the Foundation's safety protocols, and developed a profound distaste for sacrificing D-Class on projects. Although the O5 Council did not think anything greatly unusual about this pattern of changes, you can likely see where this is heading. In their interviews with Roger, he claimed that he remembered nothing of the afterlife, cleanly passing all of their polygraph tests. Roger began looking into immortality, but according to Miriam, due to quantum uncertainty, even the SCP Foundation haven't found a way to accomplish that. Strongly disappointed by this information, Roger broke protocol and made direct contact with an apex-tier, pluripotent entity contained by the Foundation. These entities are implied to be the strongest reality-benders known to the Foundation. Roger covered his tracks well, so no one knew for some time that he had done so, but eventually the Council learned about it, believing that Roger wished to make a deal of some kind with this entity. That brings us to the present time of Miriam recording this, as earlier that day, she and another O5 member confronted Roger privately, and he confessed everything. She replays an audio recording she made of Roger's confession, and we finally get to learn about SCP-2718. I think it's best if I read parts of this verbatim. I dared not speak of this at first. You'd never have let me out of containment. The truth is... I was aware of all of it. I suppose there was a sweet oblivion, like deep sleep at first, but in retrospect I think it was no more than a day. Slowly but unmistakably I reoccupied my corpse with dreamlike consciousness, numb for the first merciful hours, blind, deaf, and immobile, but then I seemed to reconnect to every nerve and became aware of every sensation more so than I ever was in life. I perceived myself trapped within an immovable object, and the intensity of the struggle amplified. Subtle, then acute, then racking. I cannot describe it completely, but imagine holding your breath, beyond urge, beyond pain, beyond desperation, head throbbing and eyes bulging, a dream of suffocation without end. My skin blistered and split in the sunlight. Biting insects descended rapidly. I felt eggs hatch, larvae crawl, gases build and burst within me, individual cells rupturing, interstitial fluids souring and blackening. Somehow my capacity to experience and store these sensations grew, even as I was keenly aware of my cerebrum being scattered and devoured, my perception expanded into the gizzards of birds and the depths of fire ant dens. I was aware of every fingernail and strand of hair that pulled away in the wind, and my sensation clung to them as they settled in the ocean and dissolved in the maws of a trillion diatoms. He goes on to say that his capacity for pain continued to grow rather than numb, intensifying every second, month, and year. He says that although in life he imagined hell to be quite horrible, there would surely at least be a tormentor and some sense of justice, whereas this was illogical torment. 
He says, I do not think this is a punishment. I do not think it is caused. I deeply suspect it is simply our condition, our nature to go on this way. Do you see? In all that time, I was certainly, absolutely, totally alone. And before long, all memory of life had shriveled to a cinder, lost beneath my interminable anguish. Alive again, I suspect I cannot quite recall the worst of it, as if my living brain is too small for the experience. He admits that he went to the entity for help in making him immortal, as he refuses to return to that afterlife. He concludes that this fate awaits everyone who dies, and he'll do anything to avoid it, asking Miriam and the other O5 to join him. Miriam was dumbfounded, sympathetic, and most importantly, fearful. They called an emergency session of the council to share this information, and Roger gave his testimony again. Much of the council reacted calmly and with concern, but one stated that they must declare human death as a Keter-class SCP. The council fell into a shouting match as Roger began sharing even darker details of his experience, and a few members moved to begin terminating dangerous SCPs to protect humanity. Here, Miriam mentions that the O5s became convinced one after another, and she wonders to herself if belief is the key. O5-1 then silenced the room, saying that the council has lost all reason and with only one possible explanation. The entire council would be given amnestics, except for Roger, who would be placed back in containment. Roger bolted out of the room before the doors could be sealed, and Miriam chased after him to stop him, but immediately regretted her decision, as she desperately wanted the amnestic. Since Miriam now knows her fate is sealed, she had this article created and made it permanent, so that knowledge of 2718 wouldn't be forgotten, and she would be hopefully brought back from the afterlife that awaits her. The door suddenly bursts open, and gunfire erupts, leaving Miriam dead. We hear an MTF discuss a breach of a Keter's SCP in another compound, where SCP-106 is contained. Rather than 106 escaping, it seems that Roger intentionally went into 106's containment, a fate considered by most to be worse than death, but perhaps it's better than SCP-2718. So that's the afterlife in the SCP universe then. Whenever anyone dies, they'll slowly experience the pain of their body decaying for all time, right? Well, no, as we have to put the pieces of the puzzle together, starting with one of the first lines of the article. SCP-2718 is a cognitohazard, meaning it affects your mind and way of thinking. This ties in with Miriam's statement of belief being the key, and why she was so regretful of not breathing in the amnestics. It's not that she wanted to live without the fear of knowing what the afterlife was. It was that she wanted to erase the cognitohazard. Basically, if you have knowledge of SCP-2718 and believe it, you are then affected by it, and it becomes your afterlife. Not only that, but it actively changes your way of thinking, so that you firmly believe this is the true afterlife awaiting everyone, not just those familiar with 2718. This has inevitably resulted in the spread of 2718, 
both in Roger confessing the story to the council, as well as Miriam making the report on it permanent. 2718 is certainly one of the more horrific SCPs on the wiki. Less so because of some terrible disease or monster, but because it plays on the existential dread felt by many humans since the dawn of time. It's unclear why Roger experienced 2718 in the first place, and who's to say that the idea of it being a cognito hazard isn't just a lie. SCP-2718 is an odd SCP article since it really more fits the format of a tale, but it is definitely an effective one at evoking horror.